Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? We're going to go, we're going to preach, and then we're going to um, stop. <laughs> if you've seen the both hands once, you'll probably see them all over the place. You know, I see those in scripture and in life, the, that there's so much that we need to hold in that kind of creative tension. And uh, 1 Peter gives us a little picture, for instance, where he says this, Come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, except to God in Jesus Christ. And that sense that we are living stones, we're being formed structurally by God into um, his community. We're also, there's an organic life about it. We are um, a both-hand people, for sure. And we have a both-hand spirituality. We, we believe so many things that are best held together in creative tension, whether it's the fact that God is three and God is one, whether Jesus is fully man and fully God. There's so much that we have to hold in tension to really get at the truth. And actually, as we apply all this kind of stuff, we're all the time living in tension. Now, some of you don't like tension. You want to resolve tension. You know, you... you, you I was saying earlier on in this series you know, that, that my wife doesn't like to watch a film that's too tense. But for me, unless there's a bit of tension, I'm not really going to enjoy it. And you might be in some tension about England and Japan in the rugby. You know, if, if, is there going to be a certainty that England are going to win 79-0 or whatever? A bit like, um, anyway, you, you might not feel as compelled to watch it as if there's, a, the, there's something in the balance. But we, we, we live with tension all the time. And for us as a church, there's a tension in our mission, because are we messengers, or are we meant to be the message? Are we meant to be pointing people to Jesus, or are we meant to be demonstrating the life of Jesus? And one of the both hands in our spirituality that I really want to commend to you is that we are meant to be both messengers and the message itself. In other words, we're meant to go to the whole world with the good news of Jesus. That was Jesus' commission to his first community, to his first church. But also, the world is meant to look at us and say, ah, that's what it looks like. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what it looks like when God's in charge. That's what it looks like when people follow him. And so our call and our invitation to you as men and women who want to follow Jesus today is be messengers for sure, but also be the message. The way that we live is meant to point to the nature of the kingdom of God. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're meant to look. This is a picture of a coming age that's breaking into the world. We're looking, meant to look like what it's going to look like when it's all over, when it's finally won, that battle's finally won. And because we're at both and church, both the message and the messenger, our gatherings are meant to be both and gatherings. What's church for? Is it for Christians? Is it for people who are disciples? Is it for people to worship God and to learn more about him? Yes, it is. But is it for seekers, for people who are not yet Christians, people who are exploring faith or checking out or trying to understand or, or to, to, to test themselves? Is this true or false? Well, yes, it is. And um, sometimes churches go one way or the other. Sometimes churches are a bit obscure. It may be, for instance, Bible school, if we said, okay, we're going to talk about chaos, dragons, and the book of Genesis, 
it may be that for someone who's seeking, that's perfect introduction. There are Dungeons and Dragons players think, yeah, that's what I want to get my head around. But sometimes when we're trying to understand the Bible, when we're trying to understand the nuances of Greek and Hebrew and how it applies to us, when we're trying to wrestle with big theological doctrines, it's a little bit in-house. And on, conversely, sometimes if we say, all right, we want to be really accessible as a church, we want to... Um, not overcomplicated things. We want to just concentrate on our welcome and, um, and helping people feel loved and accepted, but there's no challenge, there's no spirituality, there's no mystery, then we're missing out too. And in the early church, it was clear that the apostles expected it to be there for believers to go deep, but also for seekers so it's accessible. And for us at Williams, we're committed to that model. We want to try and be a place for believers to grow, but for seekers to find. And therefore, one of the things that we try and do in church is explain as much as we can, introduce people as we can. And, and um, it's not, to be a both-hand church, it's not that you don't have to do certain things. You just have to explain why you're doing them. And I just want to explain to you, we don't always do all the in-depth Bible study here on a Sunday. I run a verse-by-verse -verse Bible study through the book of Revelation at the moment. You can come to it online. But I'm not putting it out there on a Sunday night because it probably would go over a lot of people's heads who are just exploring faith. Does that make sense? We try and do both and. So, here we are with people who want to share our faith with other people. We want to introduce people to the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he loves us, that he came to rescue us from the power of evil and from our own brokenness, that he came to introduce us to Father God, that he came to, to make it possible for us to live for eternity, but for that eternal life to start right now. And that's really good news. But it's also quite hard to get your head around. You know, it's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe that Jesus is God's son. And honestly, Many, many people are such a long way away from the Christian faith in our world today that they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear and understand Jesus many, many times and wrestle with ideas and concepts in order to get their head around it. The question for us really is, is evangelism, is faith sharing a process or is it a precipitate moment? Is there a moment of decision, a moment of surrender? How do you do it? And you'll find that there are some people who, who love the kind of, to see evangelism very much as, I'm going to go and tell people um, you know, the story of, of Jesus, the spiritual laws, invite them to follow him there in a moment. And there are other people who say, look, we really need to go on a journey with people. And one of the, the great places to go on a journey at Woodlands is the Alpha Course. And in fact, it's, it's such a good tool that I'm going to show you a little video now from somebody who's actually in the room tonight who went on that journey, and that's Annie. And if it's possible, maybe just share um, the video for Alpha, will you? Um, you I'm Annie. Um, I work as a pastoral assistant in secondary school, um, and I've just finished Alpha. The basis of the story was I came to church again to be connected, whether it be with God or other people, and I felt church was a great opportunity to do that. Um, and I've been to Woody's before, so I always knew that it was going to be a vibrant place. And then, obviously, when I was here, there was a massive advert for Alpha. I was like, actually, I'd like to do it because there's a lot of questions I'd like to ask. And I think Alpha is that one place that actually you can get a lot of answers, but also 
there's there's really strong people there where you can actually challenge and go, well, why and what? And I think that's the good thing about Alpha is you can explore that in a safe place without feeling judged or, or pushed away. And every week there was a different unit and a different subject. You got to dive into the Bible, you get to di dive into Jesus Christ, you get to dive into loads of other stuff. And actually it's a, it's a group situation where we all come together and you're not the only one in that group who's like, but why, I don't understand it. Everyone is kind of feeling the same and you've got your, your mentors who actually help you process that and show you different ways of looking at it. And I think the one um, topic that I liked and the one I, I struggled with the most is Jesus. Because, you know, we know about God and we have faith in God, but then when it comes to Jesus, it's like, but why Jesus? Why not another random guy? Why not a woman? Why not this? Like, what is it so powerful about Jesus? Why is he so special? And what does he offer? And why does he offer this? So there's all these whys and I think, I struggled with, you know, midway through the Bible, Jesus then just come along and I didn't quite understand it. And it was really nice to ask people. And by the end of it, I actually had quite a few aha moments of, ah, that's okay, right, I get it. But I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have such an amazing group who allowed me to explore of, but I don't understand. And that's what Alpha really helped me on. And now I've got this little thing where I'm like, actually, I want to read a little bit more. I want to know a little bit more. And I still don't stop the questions about Jesus. I'm still asking questions because there are still them little loops. And I don't know if I'll ever, you know, figure it out, but it's nice to, to know these little things. And it's also nice to know that other people are struggling with the information as well. Where I am at the moment with Jesus is, um, a lot of people talk about like the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and I, I don't get that. You know, growing up, I was very much God's, you know, here, he's, he's around me all the time. And I do struggle with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. I don't know why I struggle with that, but I, I do struggle with that. Um, but in terms of my, my spiritual journey and, and you know, I, I have faith in God. I have faith in, in what he can offer me and how he can help me and support me and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm on a, a really long journey, but I'm not even halfway. If someone was on the fence um, about Alpha, I'd probably say to them, what are you gonna lose? You can only gain something from Alpha. Um, you can't lose anything. You'll either gain a friend, you'll gain a great group, you'll gain great, great connections, and you'll gain a little bit of knowledge. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it or whatever it may be, it's not the point. The point is everyone coming together to understand something much bigger than us. And I think it's really important that people know that you're not going to lose anything by doing this. It's just a great opportunity to connect with people, understand the church, understand the Bible. But it's connection I think is, is is a huge thing and plus you get food <laughs> now I want to just dwell a little bit on on that story because it is such a great example of a both and strategy alpha doesn't just look at your spiritual needs, it looks at your human and creaturely needs too. As, as human beings, we are both creatures and spirits. We're going to live forever, eternally, I think. But we're also living in the flesh and blood material world right now. And Alpha, which is looking at the big questions of life, the eternal questions, also wants to give you a nice meal, put you in a group where you can find friendship, create an environment of welcome, that meets your human needs as well. 
And so it's very much a both-and thing. And, and then second of all, as, we, as Annie was saying, she's on a journey. Maybe it, that journey's not finished yet. And it's that reflection that knowing Jesus, pursuing spiritual truth, is a process. It's a journey. It's an exploration. It's a, do I believe? Do I understand? Do I question? But there's also a context where we invite the moment of prayer, the moment of surrender. One of the things that we do on Alpha is we have the Holy Spirit evening, the Holy Spirit afternoon, where we talk all about the Holy Spirit and invite people on that journey, if they'd like to, there and then, in that place, to experience prayer and to check out for themselves whether the pray they're praying to God is real because God shows up. And so it's a both and, it's a process, but there's a precipitate moment there. And here, is, uh, as a church, we think both those things are really vital. And if you've grown up in, in a church family, you may have thought, well, I kind of absorbed Christianity by osmosis. You know, I feel like I can't ever say there was a moment. But here at Wood is, very often, as we invite people to get baptized, that's the moment when they stand up in front of people and say, I want you all to know that I have committed myself to making Jesus Christ my Lord and to follow him all the days of my life. I often compare it to, to a kind of romance. Some people are kind of love at first sight kind of people, but most people are in a slow burn romance where they're getting to know someone and thinking, am I ready to, to do more life with that person? And then along the way, there comes a decision, yes or no, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And then they want to make that public in front of witnesses in a marriage service like there was yesterday for AJ and Eleanor. So um, we're both on church and we're, we, we love to celebrate both and evangelism. And um, let's think about our authority as well. Where does that come from? You know, for us, I've got this Bible in front of me. This is a both and book. Do you know it's um, a deeply spiritual book? This is what Paul says about Scripture in, in, in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy rather, chapter 3, verse 16. Um, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. And that's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? Um, it's it's a, a sense of, well, I'll read the whole thing. As for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in the languages of the Bible, of Greek and Hebrew, breath and spirit are the same word. And it's kind of like God's spirit is in the stuff, the word. It's somehow made alive. And when we come to know God, very often a book which might seem dry and dusty becomes alive to us. And we see it as a, a means in which God speaks to us and when we get revelation. And that's really true for me. I, I read the Bible for quite a long time every day and I find that it's kind of really important for my spiritual health and it gives me revelation and all kinds of stuff. But it's also a very human document. You know, it's written to a people in a culture at a time. There are textual and linguistic challenges around it. There are influences on the Bible from other writings that are not in the Bible from the culture of the time. And we can learn an awful lot 
by studying in an academic way. It's not just a kind of mystical book, I can stick my finger in at a verse and God's going to speak to me. It's also something that we can study. And it's really helpful to read it in a both-hand way, to read it devotionally, but also to study it and get some background to it. And you know, human beings are God-breathed too, aren't they? That's the picture that um, the Bible gives us of creation, of Adam. Dust that God breathed on. And um, the Bible is, is like that. It's got the marks of humanity on it. Which is why we don't call it, to my mind, infallible in a way as if there's never going to be any tensions or contradictions in it. There's never going to be any translational questions or challenges. But we see it as deeply revelatory about God and our final authority for all life and practice. We hold it in tension. It's a both hand. It's a really human document and a really spiritual document. God is in it. God is contained in it. God speaks to it. And God brings it alive by his spirit. Here's another bit of uh, spiritual thing. Holy communion. This is a core bit of our spirituality. that We don't do that very often on a Sunday night, actually. But on a Sunday morning, you'll find that almost every Sunday morning, somewhere in this building, we'll be sharing Holy Communion. Because Jesus saw that as a, as a core calling for his people to do. And Holy Communion is a both-and meal. Um, I'll read you a little bit from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is some great teaching by Paul around Holy Communion. And when Paul is talking about communion, he's inviting us to look back at what Jesus did when he gave bread and wine to his disciples before, on that Passover meal, going to cross. And the rich symbolism of the Passover helps us to understand what Jesus was doing. And as we look backwards, we remember his death. So it's a looking backwards act of remembrance. But it's also a looking forward thing too, because when Jesus gave bread and wine to his disciples, Matthew records, he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. And the Bible speaks about the future. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like a feast. It's going to look like a wedding feast. And when we take communion, we're not just looking back to the death of Jesus on the cross. We're looking forward into the future when every tribe and tongue and nation are going to be gathered around the throne of God. And, and, and the Lamb will be there and we will be celebrating in a place of incredible unity and love with the presence of God. And somehow, communion is meant to celebrate both those things. It holds them together. So when we take communion, this is what Paul says, um, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Looking backwards, Looking forwards, looking backwards to his death, looking forward to his coming. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everybody ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. 
just to unpack a bit of the both handing in there. When Paul writes and tells us to discern the body of Christ, what is he doing? First of all, he's telling us to remember that what Jesus did was really costly for us. That Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. And that things, the, the evil that we find in our own brokenness, that we find around us, and where we're being invited to collude with powers evil, it's serious stuff. Don't mess with it. And communion is a time where we're not casual, but where we come to recalibrate our lives around following Jesus. And it's a place of confession. That's why in, in communion services, we have a time of confession where we say, Lord God, I think I've messed up. I think I've done things that have hurt you and hurt me and hurt other people. Or I've not done things that you've called me to do. Forgive me, Lord God. Cleanse me again and fill me again with your spirit. And I, I love to do that and I need to do that. But you know, the body of Christ isn't just looking backwards at the bread and the wine speaking of Jesus. The body of Christ is St. Paul's favorite word for the church. He says, you are the body of Christ. And when Paul tells us to recognize or discern the body of Christ, he's also not just thinking about our vertical relationship with us and God, but our horizontal relationship with one another. And for Paul, communion is only communion if we acknowledge our unity and we do not allow disunity between our human relationships because if we are disunited as a people then we're like a sick body and we might there might be physical illness that represents that spiritual sickness i think you can read that in 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 those in those verses and so it's a both and meal it's to get right with god it's also to get right with one another it's to celebrate what god has done but celebrate who we are at the same time and so communion is meant to be one of those powerful places of wholeness for us as a church, where we get right with God, where we get right with one another, and if we, we, like, we anticipate the future breaking into the now. And so if you come here on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and have communion, what you'll find is there's always a ministry time, because it's kind of like we're acting out in that very moment the powers of the age to come being expressed here. A vision of the age to come when people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gather around the throne of God and the Lamb is there. It's happening now. And in that age to come, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. So let's get some of that future into the now, right now. Let's see healing, deliverance, forgiveness, and mercy break out when we have communion together. I'm quite passionate about communion. And, um, you know, we haven't been doing it very much on a, on a Tuesday evening because we're such an eclectic crowd. And we, we've, but maybe we'll be doing that a little bit more often. Because it's, it's good for us, isn't it? It's a both-hand meal. Here's another bit of both-handing. And uh, this is where I'm going to come in and land. You'll be pleased and relieved to know. Though I could go on for a very long time. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. This so interesting, the Holy Spirit. You know, does everybody have spiritual gifts? Are there special gifts, or do we all get to have them? Are some people prophets, or are we all prophetic? Are spiritual gifts supernatural, 
things that we could never expect to have unless God was doing something miraculous or unusualized? Or are they natural things? Are they things that we just carry? Because when you look at the Bible and when you hear people talk and teach, it seems, oh, the gift of administration, the gift of leadership, the gift of encouragement and showing mercy. Is that a natural gift? And where does that fit in with prophecy or healing or miracles that are supernatural things? How do we handle this? What does it feel like when um, Paul can say, each of you should um, eagerly desire the greater gifts, particularly prophecy? And then also, um, just a few verses forward, he says, um, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. There are gifts that we have and gifts that we seek. And I think it's a both-and reality. I think that um, there are natural talents that we have. Romans 12 lists a whole bunch of talents, gifts, callings, personality types that we're called to offer to God, lay them down as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God, but then pick up the things he's given us to do in his service. And so I want to say to all of you tonight, you've all got gifts that God gave you when he made you and formed you in your mother's womb. And when you offer those gifts to God, they will be spiritual. You could choose not to offer them for God, and they would be just for your glory or for your benefit. You could have a real gift with numbers and accountancy, and you could become a very wealthy accountant. Or you could use those gifts to work for a charity and be a real blessing. Or you could be a wealthy accountant and give all that money away. You don't know. There's all kinds of ways of doing it, you know? You could be a fantastic musician and use your musical gifts to kind of make a name for yourself and maybe get power over other people. Or you could say, I just want to worship you and use my creativity to, to, to celebrate how wonderful you are because it's not really my gift, it's yours. You made me God. I'm going to give all the glory back to you. You know, it could be like that. Supernatural gifts. I think we're all invited to ask God for and to receive things that are supernatural. And I read that list in 1 Corinthians 12, and I think those gifts are for everyone. Everyone gets to play. Everyone could pray for the sick. Everyone could have a word of knowledge or revelation of prophecy from God. Everyone can have a gift of faith. It's there for all of us. And yet, there are some people who have greater fluency in those things, don't they? Some people, we, we could all prophesy, but some people are prophets. We could all pray for the sick, but some people seem to have a gift of healing. And there is a kind of mysterious both-and dynamic in it. What we don't want to do is to write off anything for ourselves or, for, or have an expectation that says, no, that's, I'm not included. Because in the New Testament, the language of the Spirit is so inclusive. It's there from the very beginning in the book of Acts. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's about young and old, men and women, men servants and maid servants, every strata of society. So I want to encourage you to be a both-armed people who are pursuing the presence of God and saying, I've got now, but there's more to come. And those kind of some of those core ideas. I think the reason I'm sharing them tonight is that when you come to worship with us here, when you come to be part of our church family, those are some of our understandings. 
We are a church that wants to welcome seekers as well as disciples. And if you're looking for a church that's going to do verse-by-verse Bible studies through the book of Revelation on a Sunday night, it won't be here. We might do it elsewhere, but it's not going to be on, on, on this platform, probably. You know, We want to be a church which gives people space to belong before they believe, because we see that evangelism is a process as well as precipitate moments. But we also want to call out those opportunities for people to give their lives to God Sunday by Sunday. Whenever we take communion, it's an opportunity. Give your life to Jesus. Tonight, it may be an opportunity to take a step of commitment to Jesus, either for the first time or for many times. We want to be a church that can celebrate Holy Communion and in that express not just our sense of recalibrating ourselves with God, but recalibrating ourselves as a family so that we can be a spiritually healthy body where there's not disunity, but unity among us. We want to be a people that can be truly led by the Spirit and submitted to the Word of God while not being ignorant of the human factors that are there in the composition of Scripture so that we're not kind of dumbing down or or kind of wrestling with the book. We're allowed to wrestle with it. We're allowed to seek for interpretation. We're going to say, that's a tricky passage. How am I best going to understand that? I hope you get that. And we're going to wrestle with the fact that we are both the message and the messenger and that we're called to look like the people of God. So what we're going to do now, I'm going to move this lectern out of the way. I recognize that what I'm I'm saying in this talk is perhaps a little bit technical. And if you're a visitor tonight, you might think, oh, gosh. (laughs) But what I want to do is actually to give us all an opportunity to, wherever we are tonight, to respond to one thing that I've said. I think that for some people tonight, it may be that in this room, the very real spirit of Jesus who is with us Because, by the way, the Holy Spirit is both with us and in us. It's a both-and thing. And the Holy Spirit with us might be speaking to your heart and inviting you to think about where you are on your spiritual journey and whether tonight is a time for you to recommit yourself or commit yourself for the very first time to making Jesus Lord of it all, to saying, Lord God, I want to place my life into your hands. I want you to be Lord. I want you to so inhabit my life, fill me with your spirit, that I can actually look like the person you've made me to be from the very beginning. It might be that tonight, one of the things that you've been wrestling with is the work of the spirit. And you've maybe disqualified yourself from being one of those people that gets to do the ministry stuff. You know, be on the ministry team, gets to lay hands on people, gets to hear from God, gets to pray for the sick. Maybe you've, 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 you've felt, oh, I feel very powerless, or I've I don't really understand, or I've had some disappointments in that area. But it might be that tonight, as you respond to God, here's a chance for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It might be that this evening, you're thinking, I really need to commit to being part of the church, the people of God. Because you're not called to be a lone ranger. You're not called to be somebody who just kind of believes in God and goes around doing your thing. You're called to be part of a people. Once you're not a people, now you're a people. You're being built as a living stone into a structure. And if you're, even perhaps 
you're brand new to Bristol, you think, I need to find a church to belong to. Well, maybe this one will do. If, 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 if that's true for you, we'd love to hear for you. We'd love you to fill in newcomers' form to connect to you. But it may be that you think, actually, this is too big or too weird. The, the, the church leader is too ugly. Whatever it is, you know, I need to find um, a, a, another place to, to be. And there are some great churches in our city, and we'd love, you to, we'd love to point you to those. But just to say, tonight, decide to be part of the family, to express that by belonging as well as believing. And so in a moment, if, if I, any of those things ring true with you, as we go back into worship, before we start, I want to invite you to, to register by doing something scary, standing up. And um, I know it's a bit weird to stand up, but I'm giving you a precipitate moment. You've had a process, you listen to me talk. I'll give you a moment, a chance to say, yeah, I want to say yes. And if you do stand up, I'm going to pray over those areas. Then we're going to go back into worship. But if you'd like that to be followed through with people praying for you directly. We're also going to have a ministry team along the front here and over on the side. And if you come out of your seats while washing your hands, you just sneak out, come to the front. We'd love to actually talk to you and pray with you and ask for God's blessing on you. So here's your moment. If, if you feel like you would like to respond to any of the things that I just put my finger on there, please do stand up. Thanks so much. It's such a, a, a slightly scary thing to do, isn't it, to, to make that step of, of, of courage. But honestly, courage helps us get hold of the things of God. So let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you for the intentionality of the men and women who are standing here tonight saying yes to you. I want to thank you, God, for the intentionality of saying yes to making you Lord. I want to thank you for the saying yes to I want more of your spirit. I want to thank you for the yes to I want to belong to your family. I want to pray, Lord God, tonight your Holy Spirit would come and rest on each of these men and women as they stand. Holy Spirit, will you come now? I pray that your gentle breath would breathe life into them. I pray that your living water would refresh them in their soul. I pray, Lord God, that your fire would purify their hearts, spines, and emotions. And I pray that your mighty rushing wind would lead them. I pray, Lord, that they would be encompassed not just by your grace, mercy, and love, and your spirit, but also find that the family of God, the Church of Jesus Christ, is bringing many brothers and sisters into their lives and strengthening them. So let the blessing of God rest on you in the name of Jesus. Amen.